It seems that you've been living two lives. I'm Mark, he's Brian, Tom Althaus. We welcome you back. We've spoken a lot lately, and I want to talk about your talents as a kid. Was there anyone else that realized your talents? Because you were a pretty gifted child, no? Yeah, you know, it was, it was spotted all over the place. Um, when I was in elementary school, there's a lady named Mrs. Kunkel, and I had given up on elementary school. When I went into first grade, I gave up on it because I thought the teachers were dumb. I thought this is just stupid. They're teaching us about you know simplicity. I wanted to move ahead on um, strong concepts and things, even in first grade. And so I decided I was just going to give up. I said, forget it. This isn't worth it. This is boring. They're not really hitting anything important. That's first grade. So what happened was I would just cross off everything on tests, didn't even try. So they put me into this um, special uh, group where they took these kids that are supposed to be smart, but weren't performing. And uh, Mrs. Kunkel took me through these things individually, and she said, Tom shouldn't be back a grade. He should be advanced two grades. So, yeah. That doesn't surprise me, Tom. You know, we've spoken for bit. several hours. And let me tell you, folks, uh, our viewers, uh, Tom's a very special guy. Tom had a lot of ideas very, very early on, and he was on the ground floor of a lot of computer sciences and stuff like that. And what we're here really today to do is show you the gifts that Tom uh, bring to the media world and really tragically lost in a, a weird twist of fate. You know, um, <clears throat> Uh, everyone's familiar with the matrix and everybody watched the intro to this video and um, we have a few things to unravel here but we'd like to kind of start slow because really Tom's story is not to be missed my friends Tom's story is about the most complicated and important thing I've run into in a very long time I hope you're going to be a part of it because this is going to be a great series of videos Tom thank you so much for being here how are you doing today buddy my pleasure. I mean, you got to realize the tactic by the mainstream of these guys is uh, alienation, isolation, mm -hmm. call you crazy, call you dumb. They just go all out. And hopefully uh, what we're doing, I know, is going to make a difference for many, many people that have been subject to that kind of process and strategy. You know, me and Mark got into all of this and kind of started just wanting to interview entertainers and uh, artists and see kind of where it went. And what it found is gone a couple of times in some dark directions, but in some very important directions. Wouldn't you say that's true, Mark? Oh, most definitely. And the way that we've evolved into talking about things that are relevant and current is just unreal, Brian, you know. So basically what we're trying to show you today is, as you saw at the intro, that there are um, things about the Matrix that are very similar to what Tom wrote early on. Tom was involved with a project early on called The Immortals. He wrote this story, and many of its, let me say, ideas seem to be applied to The Matrix. Well, they're claiming it's a documentary now, Matrix. And actually, the original work, they're saying that now because the original work um, – the immortals was whispering through art to warn us what's coming that one world society where we're segregated society yeah. where the elite have the you know the red pill blue pill thing going on this of course is the date from 1998 used on set in 1999 there's no way around it there is no copyright on the matrix there's only a copyright on the title we have so and again dino Laurentiis, who wanted on wachowski's 
to have them take the work, copyright the Immortals title, not Matrix. So, so well, the fascinating things were just said right there. There's no copyright on the Matrix. Elaborate mm -hmm. on that just a little. How can that even be, Tom? Yeah, because Dino Laurentiis, who um, was the one in charge of the, you know, acquiring the project from Bonaventura from uh, Warner Brothers. I'm now, now this is here. what's the full name, friends? What's his name again? Lorenzo D. Bonaventura. Right, right. Is this is a huge name in Hollywood from how far back yeah. now? Way back. That's like yes, decades and more. And so you got him connected to Bonham, uh, Lorenzo Di Bonaventura was inside Warner Brothers, major exec also, who is the one that prides himself in discovering new talent and saving careers of writers that failed. So you've got Dean Laurentiis, whining guy in the Wachowskis, promising them, you know, beautiful women, money, riches, and everything else, but they don't have any body of work. They don't have a script. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to be given this if, you know, to be an in-house claimant of the original work. And what's so telling is, as I said, Dean Laurentiis copyrights this title, The Immortals, not Matrix. He copyrights this title. Wow. So that would Explain tell Explain that to me, everybody. Yeah. I mean, what you do can't you can't get what, around that. Right, Mark? What do you think? What do you think about that scene at the beginning, Mark? You yeah. I mean, they put some of your personal information in that scene in the beginning. Go into detail on that. And they did it to mock you, right? Yes, they did. Uh, I would never have known. It was in for a split second upside down in the first scene they shot, which is the interrogation scene. First scene I wrote, interrogation scene. And uh, so they put the first graphic filled with my information. Here is the actual screenshot. It's, it's a little bit difficult to see, I know. And I know you guys have a cleaner version you can show. But this uh, is what it looked oh, like. Oh, upside, upside down. It's upside down. Upside down. That's exactly how it yes. was. It oh, was upside yeah. down. Okay. That's exactly see, how it is. That's, yes. right. that's how it was in the shot. Now, if we turn it over. Yeah. That's they didn't want anybody to catch on. Oh, so yes. that's when they had. So if you're not following everybody, this is when Agent Smith opened that folder and was telling uh, uh, Mr. Anderson there he had uh, two, you know, two lives going here, and only one of them was going to be accepted by the Matrix. So this is. Can you tell us what is on that piece of paper, Tom? Exactly, um, right now, that's yeah. you and your family. Okay. Keep in mind, I would never have known if the story department, the guy from the story department had not called me. He wanted this all to turn around. He said the uh, Wachowskis were so egotistical. He wanted to reveal them what they were doing and that I would be alerted to the work being taken. On this sheet, you have Thomas A. Anderson as Neo, right? Mm -hmm. I am Thomas A. Anderson's my Scottish clan name. So we go down. It's called stacking. They stack the entries. Susanna Bulgin is the graphic designer who wrote an article about how these are entered in for a split second for the director's eyes only to keep the project interesting. So they stack in the first graphic shot upside down for a split second, even upside down. They don't want anybody to know. Thomas A., my name, Anderson, Scottish clan name. You see July 22nd on the banner. So then you have um, an ent entry March 11th. And what's amazing is they have Neo's birthday. It's Neo's birthday. It's March 11th on here. Okay. So Neo's birthday is March 11th. We find out is my fiance. It was at the pitch session. Otika Ball, now Otika Bernard. She, her birthday is March 11th. Mm -hmm. So they made her birthday, Neo's birthday, and they bumped mine up to the banner. Both our birthdays. Thomas A. Anderson, Scottish clan name. Now you move on. They don't stop. You have John Anderson. My dad's name is John. So they have Neo's dad is John. Michelle McGee's on there to help with the joke. Now we see it's a joke because Michelle McGee's the art director. So Michelle McGee, the art director for Matrix, is Neo's mom. That's really fun. Nice joke. They never thought we'd see this. Owen Patterson, the production manager, is the high school. 
Owen Patterson High. Remember the joke of we'll name a high school after you? So they yeah. named a high school after him ripping it off. Again, just like they bumped my birthday up to the banner and made Otika my fiance, Neo's birthday, they bumped my high school down to junior high. So my high school is Central West High. They make it the junior high on that sheet for Neo's junior high. And here's my diploma. Central West High. Central West. Wow. Yeah. So we've got my high school, my fiance's birthday, my birthday, my dad's name, and there's more. The character for Neo lived in Washington, D.C. That's how I wrote it. So they have Neo's origin of city as capital city, USA. What's capital city, USA? Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. It's a match. Marital uh, status, single. And then what you have in the column is, I don't know what's upside down, TA4099 backwards. Mm -hmm. Whenever you do it backwards, it means a life in distress, right? So TA4099, Tom Oldhouse was 40 and 99 when they made it. 380. Oh my goodness. So let's, you know, recap. Before I do 380, dad's name, my fiance's birthday, my birthday, my high school, my marital status, capital city, my initials, year, uh, age, and year that I was that age. 380 is numerology for, it's a weird one. It says something like uh, taking your most cherished worldly possessions to help you prepare for your death. The joke that I was told by the insider from Warner Brothers Story Department was the Wachowskis are saying, since they're not clever enough to figure out the work, they didn't understand it. They're making a uh, slapping the face of the author, mocking him by saying, we're doing you a favor by taking your most cherished possessions to help you die. Mm. What happened when you brought uh, your case to court? <laughs> I wasn't even bringing it forward. <clears throat> they had a honeypot wife named Rebecca Northcutt, who is with Mike Lang of Disney. So they had an attorney named Tony Rankin. So this attorney shows up, not eligible to practice law, not eligible to practice law, uh -oh. come to me, right, to handle the case, saying, I want to see you get justice. I'll put $100,000 in, all that stuff, blah, 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 blah. He's the landlord of the honeypot wife, Rebecca Northcutt. They pretend not to know each other at the meeting. And she has a job to do. If she can help throw the case and steer me into a case where they control everything, they proceed. Right at the statute of limitations. At 2009, you have a 10-year statute of limitations for 1999 airing. So they bring her forward to let me know, hey, honey, look, there's a little girl pointing the sun. There's a little girl at the train station. They took your work. That was on purpose. So Tony Rankin can come in, back door with her, and make sure the statutes run out and then file the case after it's too late. And he's not even eligible to practice the law, so Warner Brothers have all their plans in order. And he does some amazing things to make sure uh, the evidence is taken, things are altered, the case is thrown. One of the main things, at the end, when we realize what's going on and we try to fire him, he says, you can't fire me. He says, you're fired. We give you a letter. You're fired. Within half an hour after he's fired, he gives us an email and says, I just contacted Warner Brothers attorneys, and it usually takes a meeting to uh, you know, address summary judgments, but I've allowed them to proceed using the phone call via the meet as a meeting to allow them to proceed to summary judge judgment without objection. Thanks, Franken. That's the only way 
they could win the case. Whenever you hear Tom Althaus lost his case, that's the only way Tom Althaus could lose his case is if a corrupt attorney, after he's fired, allows them to proceed without objection with all this evidence yeah. left out. He wasn't even an attorney. No, it wasn't even my attorney. No. He, is, isn't it illegal to practice these things if you're not an attorney? If you own the court system in Hollywood, it is illegal. You get away with it. Nothing's done about it. It is brushed under the rug. In fact, Tony Rankin was brought up by the bar. I was urged by a guy from the bar to bring him forward. The judge at the bar, they put their own attorneys as, as the judges in the bar. He, she wrote me a letter after all that we showed he had done wrong. And there's so much we'll be going over later, like you said. After all that was shown he did wrong, she wrote a letter saying, we're not going to address anything he did wrong. This letter is only for your eyes and his eyes. And we'll just remind him not to do it again. Wow. Okay, so let's review. You're a young man. L um, your parents, did they um, – were, were they like academic you know, uh, people or what were they like? Where were they born? My mom and dad are very, very smart. I often compared them to like Gene Hackman marries Scarlett O'Hara, Vivian, Vivian Lee. It's like they, they both should have been performers. They've got a lot of gifts and um, outstanding personalities, except I was in the middle of a maelstrom in my childhood where I was just beat to tar, just beat up all the time. But that put me into a frame where I had to create a world where I could um, create in. And so I had a very different upbringing I did in order to create what I created. You know, that's how you get a worldview that's different and askew from anybody else. And definitely I, a common uh, thing when kids are escaping into their own imaginations. Definitely. That's definitely. How I live. So yeah. you grew up and so, so you, they saw some gifts in you early on, even though, you know, you resisted because, you know, that's what gifted kids too. They get bored and they resist, you know? Right. And so um, you're, you're a young man. Now at the beginning, um, I, I showed our uh, viewers uh, a flash of the your ID, and if you'll notice, um, Tom, you're wearing the white shirt, black tie. Another thing they uh, took from uh, your identity and used right. to mock you uh, right. was the whole white shirt with the uh, thin black tie during that scene. So that scene was really a way to really gouge you, you know, and um, they kind of kept it on the down low and then maybe even had someone show it to you, you know, yeah. would mm -hmm. you say that this might be, I mean, the 1990s were a little different than things are today Absolutely. and things that people have done are being dredged up in really revisited in some ugly ways. And I've seen some very important people go down recently because of photographs yeah. recordings documents and stuff like that is just crippling people because their pasts are coming back to haunt them so i ask you this do you think they've made a critical mistake mocking you because if this case were to be revisited in court that this would be very difficult to look at as coincidental absolutely yeah there's no so, way so if you were uh to 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 just kind of bring down to uh a, a, a final what happened to the first court case did you say they avoided the whole thing somehow and the the evidence never was really seen yeah not only did they block all the evidence from being entered into record 
they also made a big deal out of blocking the fact they had no evidence. They, on tape, their, their attorneys say, you can't even ask for discovery because it's a moot point since we have no working drafts of any, any working drafts or notes, notebooks, notes, or anything. So that tells you something, how they shoot the matrix so they didn't have any notebooks and working drafts. And their attorneys even said, yeah, your script was used on set. So what you have is they have nothing. So they blocked it in different ways that you'll see through the court process, such as alternative dispute resolutions, ADRs, are required by the courts. They didn't tell me about that, and they never held by having attorneys on both sides. That would have put evidence on the record. They never gave us discovery. That would have put evidence on the record. They didn't, they, Rankin didn't do any interrogatories until it was past the deadline for them to respond. See, so we can check it off. That's not getting any discovery and they're free. So nothing was given us for discovery and they put in the papers that they had a blithera of evidence. They have nothing. So your point is so valid. If we go to the courts after that's after educating the court of public opinion, there's no way they can win. And I'll say there's no way they can win in a fair court, fair venue with due process guaranteed. No way. As soon as we hit alternative dispute resolutions, all this is on record. With mm -hmm. the public learning all this stuff that you're showing, the judges won't dare make the step misstep again of trying to shut this down. There won't be a stipulation order again that says for, uh, for lawyers' eyes only, attorney's eyes only, not for judge, jury, or plaintiff. That's illegal. You can't do that. But they did. Yeah. And I said I would never sign it. They said I had my signature to go forward. I never signed it, so Rankin sent it in anyway, even saying that it couldn't go without my signature. Well, we're seeing huge amounts of overreach in every facet of uh, the media and uh, the political, geopolitical realm today. So uh, this doesn't really surprise me that you got railroaded and not one able bit. to derail a court case. I mean, we're seeing these things happen now in real time, but it must have been very, very frustrating back then when you didn't have alternative media to actually fuel your case and uh, things were swept under the rug so easily. So I suggest that everybody come back to this channel because we're going to keep talking to tom and we're going to uncover the evidence that in fact tom yeah. did write a lot of the matrix and should get his fair credit now everyone please thank uh tom for being here today and yes. uh, leave your questions and comments down below we'd love to have them handy and ready for the next video and next time what we'd like to do is go ahead and show you the court documents and show you why if tom goes back to kate to court that this case should be easily opened and he should uh, be able to get Win. a piece of yeah. probably the biggest sci-fi movie that was ever created how does that sound everybody <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, Mark, uh, I think uh, we had a great talk today, and uh, Tom has become a seriously good friend of ours, and um, yes. I, I, I want to thank you again for being here. Mark, why don't you close it off? No, thanks so much, Tom. We really appreciate you, and you're someone who deeply cares about humanity and doesn't doesn't like the way things are going, so we love you. Guys, we have a lot of footage to show you, too. You know, we have a lot of footage of us talking to Tom. This thing is very, very complicated it gets very dark it's not for kids and it's highly relevant to what's happening today let's just put it that way so we're going to probably create a link where you can watch this on another more private place uh we're going to link you to these things because youtube is not very um tolerant to uh, a, a lot of subjects which is fine but we'll be um, announcing that in the future. But yeah. let's once again, thank you, Tom, for being here. Thanks. And I, uh, I, I, I enjoy so much talking and listening to you. And I, I think this is just the beginning of something really fantastic.
Yeah. I love it. I love the Casablanca ending. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. <laughs> All right. All right, guys.